Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's July 21st and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Ask anyone what's hurting their wallet the most at the moment, and the majority will probably say the cost of food. Figures out this week show it remains the biggest contributor to inflation, and those rising costs are leading to rising profits for our supermarket duopoly, with some figures suggesting profits of a million dollars a day. As Countdown focuses on a costly reverse or rebrand back into Woolworths, the government has moved forward with plans to crack down on the sector. But what can they really do to break up a privately run business? Today on the front page, NZ Herald Wellington business editor Janae Tibshirani joins us to discuss the future of our rising food prices. Janae, annual inflation dropped to 6% in the June quarter. Is this good or are we still in bad shape compared to other countries? Well, Damien, 6% inflation is by no means good. It's well outside of the Reserve Bank's 1-3% to target range. And we've been outside of that target range for more than two years now. So prices are still rising far too quickly. The positive thing is that they're rising less quickly than they were before. So previously in the March quarter, the annual rate was 6.7%. So it's coming down. It's a good thing, you know, but it's not like anything's getting cheaper. It's just getting more expensive less quickly. Compared to other countries, New Zealand is a bit below the OECD average of 6.5%. A bit better than some of the others, but it's still not good. How worried will the Reserve Bank be should we brace for further interest rate hikes? Well, the Reserve Bank recently said that it's watching, worrying and waiting. So for now, I think it'll keep worrying. If anything, these inflation figures might make it worry a little bit more. But ANZ economists think that it might not have the luxury of waiting so much, you know, waiting to see the effect of the interest rate rises that it's it's done to date. The Reserve Bank has said that its plan had been to not hike the OCR anymore. Based on these figures, the risks are that it might need to hike again. While the overall inflation number was in line with what the Reserve Bank expected, the part of inflation that's more domestically driven was worse than the Reserve Bank and economists expected. The other thing here is that the inflation was pretty broad. Food prices were one of the main areas, right? Food really shot up in price, and you know that's largely linked to these weather events. But we saw quite major rises across the board, and that's the type of thing that'll worry the Reserve Bank. But ultimately, this is kind of the main key question that people are divided on. Some think, yes, the Reserve Bank might need to hike the OCR again. Others think, no, it won't, and it just needs to wait for all these hikes to take effect. The people who think that the Reserve Bank might need to hike again, they're looking at some of these bigger issues like the impact of immigration. That's really strong. You know, that stimulates the economy. The government's fiscal stimulus spending at the budget, it was quite a big budget, improved business confidence, and importantly, the housing market showing signs of life. If that picks up a bit more, then, you know, that, that'll definitely be inflationary. We have been aware for quite some time that there's a struggle going on. Mainly it's that income isn't enough to cover expenses. You don't have to be renting to be experiencing that with the cost of rates and insurance. It's really making it hard for people. 
food seems to be the thing people are going without. So we're aware if someone's relying on national superannuation, often every second week, they're struggling to be able to afford to buy food. I'd like to talk a little bit about the big contributor to inflation, high food prices. Why is it so expensive to eat in New Zealand right now? Yeah, food prices was the largest contributor towards the inflation figures in June, both the quarterly figure and and the annual increase. It rose by 2.2% in the quarter. The impacts of bad weather was a big one and also issues around access to markets due to constrained transport infrastructure around the world is another big factor here. There has been a lot of focus on competition or the lack thereof in the supermarket sector too. We had you on in May last year after the Commerce Commission report into supermarkets was released. What's changed in the area since then? Yeah, a number of changes were announced back then and they've been sort of working their way through. Now, I'll just remind people of what some of these were. The government is preventing supermarkets from using covenants on titles to stop competitors from setting up shop next door. So, you know, currently if you're a supermarket, you might be able to stop your competitor from setting up in your neighbourhood. That can no longer be done. So that's quite a significant change. Also, the government has required grocery companies to open up their wholesale arms to competitors. So the idea is there that if you're a smaller player in the market, you can get access to products at wholesale at a similar price to some of the big guys. Unit pricing is the other one. They're going to make a change so that if you go to the supermarket, you can see that brand X charges this much for sugar per 100 grams, whereas brand B charges this much. So you can compare products. There's also a grocery supply code that will be implemented. There's consultation underway on that and the establishment of a disputes resolution scheme for suppliers and wholesale customers of major grocery retailers. So quite a few changes there. But as I said, Damien, when we last talked, these things won't take, you know, won't have a massive impact overnight. These are quite major changes, structural changes. They'll take time to have effect. Is the government still thinking about actually breaking up the two companies that dominate the sector and forcing them to sell some of their assets? Of the things I mentioned, breaking up the companies would be massive, right? Like if the government went to foodstuffs and said, you have to sell a bunch of new world supermarkets, that would be a pretty major intervention. And interestingly, the government did look quite a lot into this. The former Commerce and Consumer Affairs Minister, David Clark, was quite keen on this. But then the new, his replacement came in, Duncan Webb, and he said, thanks for doing the work, officials. We're going to keep this option, in his words, in reserve. You know, it's a bit of a threat to the supermarkets. He's saying, look, if you don't comply with what we're asking you to do and show that you're trying to create more competition in the sector or not stymie competition, then this is an option. The front page is the NZ Herald Podcast Network's daily news show. Thanks for choosing to spend your time with us and be sure to rate and follow us on iHeartRadio or whichever way you choose to stay in the know. A marketing expert believes Countdown's $400 million rebrand back to Woolworths is a waste of time and money. The food chain giant announced New Zealand stores will make the return to Woolies to strengthen Australia relations after only changing back from Woolworths 12 years ago. This week we saw the announcement that Countdown would undergo a rebrand 
at a cool cost of $400 million. What do you make of that decision? Well, I must say I haven't looked into the details around it, but my first reaction was not positive. As a consumer, I honestly don't care about Countdown's branding, whether it's Countdown or Woolworths. I just want it to focus on providing better value, providing better range of products. To me, and I suspect to a lot of other people, we do not care about the branding at all. A lot of people on social media shared that criticism of the decision to rebrand. Given that these companies do have record profits and we are seeing these soaring food prices, what impact do you think that this is going to have on consumers and how they feel about these companies? I think consumers at the moment are pretty cynical and people are just, you know, doing it tough. They're sick of seeing prices go up everywhere and particularly at the supermarket. I suppose for a consumer, it's difficult to know exactly the extent to which higher prices you're paying are due to things like the weather and the war in Ukraine versus a company price gouging and basically just taking the mickey out of everyone. So I think there's a lot of cynicism and it's difficult to really get to the nub of the extent to which price rises are legitimate or opportunistic. We've seen our first supermarket commissioner appointed. Who is he? What sort of power does he have? And can he actually help to improve competition in this sector? Yeah, so his name is Pierre Van Heerden, and he is a very experienced manager, CEO, who's worked in the grocery sector for a number of years. He was executive general manager at Sanitarium for 10 years. Recently, he was the boss at Mojo Coffee, a lot of mojos around Wellington. He's had a number of very senior roles. He was the chair and deputy chair of the Food and Grocery Council. So this guy has experience. He knows the sector. That has to be a good thing. In terms of his powers, he can issue fines. And I think these are quite heavy-handed fines. It's also, I think, symbolic that we have someone put in that role to keep an eye on things. I bring a different perspective. I'm a businessman. I'm not a bureaucrat. And I can come in and look at it because I have basically been a supplier. I've represented suppliers as chair of the Food and Grocery Council. And those suppliers have been from the very small through to the very large, like Fonterra. So I have the experience in dealing with the supermarkets. Given that he has worked for so much of his career on the other side of the world, not as a regulator, do you think that that could muddy the water, that could make him a little bit soft when it comes to enforcing these rules on the supermarkets? I wouldn't want to jump to conclusions at this point. We'll give him a chance. And I mean, largely what he can do is defined in legislation. But I think it is good to have someone in that job who knows the industry, who's worked in it, as opposed to someone coming in totally cold. Janine, looking ahead, when can we expect food prices to start coming down? Or will they ever even come down? I think it will depend on the type of product. So if you look at fruit and veggies, for example, that's more affected by weather events. Whereas if you look at other sorts of products, perhaps less so. So it might depend on the product. Generally, prices don't come down, I must say. You know, the issue that we're in now is that in the best case scenario is that prices increase, but at a slower rate. So the best case scenario is that they start increasing at only 3% a year. That would be deemed as success, for example, in the, in the reserve bank size. So I'm not holding my breath, to be honest, when it comes to food. The other thing to be conscious of is if we think about climate change and the effect that that's having, we're seeing increased frequency of 
severe weather events, changing weather patterns, no doubt that will affect food supply and prices and might cause people around the world to rethink behaviours, supply chains, where farming occurs, all that sort of thing. I think this is a very dynamic space. And with the election a few months away and the cost of living on the agenda, do you foresee any moves to tackle food prices from the major parties? Could we perhaps see the return of Big Fresh and the animatronic vegetables as a state-owned enterprise? Well, that would be something, wouldn't it? Um... A Big Fresh food company, bringing the best of the country to town. I think what we'll see is politicians waiting to see the effects of the changes that have been made to date. So all the changes are made before. I think they will want to just sit back and see the impact of having that grocery commissioner there, that the fines and the public pressure as well. I, I can't see any major changes. The area to watch here is around farming and pricing of emissions. If we do what climate activists say we should do, we need to start paying more for our emissions. And we know that emissions come from animals, be they, you know, that they're natural, but they are emissions. So if we price those emissions higher to try to incentivize people to move away from that or for farmers to think of cleaner ways of farming, then that is going to cost us, right? So there's this really difficult trade-off that policymakers face at the moment. Do they charge us all, basically, uh, higher prices for emissions to try to tackle climate change or not. And that is a really fraught issue. And and then the other big question there is, should the government really hammer our farmers here or should it leave them alone and let them do their thing? Because they say that they are better placed to farm more cleanly than farmers from other parts of the world. So, you know, our farmers will say, let us do it, because if you clobber us to death, government, then that's not going to stop people from eating meat and drinking milk. They'll just eat the meat and drink the milk from other countries, which could actually be worse for the climate. Different people will have totally different views on what the right balance is. Thanks for joining us, Janae. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in on Monday for another look behind the headlines.